What's up, what's up, what's up, y'all? Happy Sunday. Peace, blessings, and opportunities. Thank you for being here with me, and please know that I truly appreciate you. For, you know, continuing to spin the block with me as we go from hood health to good health. And I did want to make a quick announcement that this entire podcast show is not going to be reflective of just the healthcare system. I have high hopes to take you on a journey of healing. But as I mentioned in the intro, in order for you to understand that you're in a system, you have to understand, well, first you have to accept that you're in a system and then you have to understand the system and then you have to be inclined to want to change. So I definitely want to take you on that journey to healing mentally, physically, emotionally, which ultimately affects the physical. Now, today I really wanted to touch base and talk about health inequities and health disparities because a lot of times the two terms can seem very similar, but with health disparities, it's more or less the difference in health status and mortality rates across um, populations of people, groups, which, so they say, can be expected, right? However, health inequities are also a difference in health status and mortality rates across groups that are systemic, unfair, unjust. And a perfect example would be the mortality rates for black women versus white women when it comes to breast cancer. So that's an example of health inequities. And... As we bring it back to the title, Hood Health to Good Health, as we've learned that, you know, the socioeconomic factors play a major role in our overall health. So now you can see how health inequities exist. Because now, if a bulk of people are living in low-income areas, yeah, they're definitely going to be sicker than people living in rural or, you know, other areas. So, as I mentioned, we always talk about health equity and equality. And you will never be able to have equality without equity. Because how how can things be equal, right? It's not equal. I mean, yeah, like I said, you have equal access, you have equal opportunity, But at the end of the day, you don't have the equity piece. The equity piece is going to take somebody that's growing up in the low-income area and put them at the same level of somebody that's growing up in a rural district area. Where's that equity? You know, I came across an article um, on the NCBI uh, site, and one of the things they quoted was that, you know, recent studies have documented that individuals who report experiencing racism have greater rates of illness. Interesting. And also in another article that was written in 2020, they had said, structural racism has been and remains a fundamental cause of persistent health disparities in the U.S. So yes, systemic. Everything is embedded in systems. So now, when we think about health inequities and health disparities, there are such things as racial and ethnic disparities. 
So we can say that, you know, we can't control health disparities, but there are things such as racial and ethnic disparities. Truthfully, throughout the history of the United States, I mean, ethnic minority groups experience higher rates of illness and death across a multitude of health conditions. A multitude of health conditions. And this actually comes off the CDC website, but, you know, some of the health conditions they talk about include diabetes, hypertension, obesity, asthma, heart disease, when compared to white counterparts. Now, the life expectancy of a non-Hispanic black American is four years lower than that of a white American. So you can see how this is something that has been an issue. Racial, ethnic disparity, inequities, health inequities. This has always been a problem. But why can't, why, why can't we seem to address it? Because if you know that people in lower income areas are suffering at a greater rate of, let's just say, hypertension, right? What are we doing in these areas to address that? I have never seen somebody in my area, at least, talking about the dangers of constantly eating fried food or even using specific oils that increase your omega-6. Now, it's okay for us to have omega-3, but omega-6, too much of that, you're on the fast track to heart disease. So if we know this is something, why is it that these other proactive (laughs) attempts aren't being done? This is something we know. This is something that data can tell them for years, for decades. But yet, you still see there's an issue with school lunch. You catch my drift. So now, the top three um, measures in terms of health inequities relate to infant mortality, heart disease, and cancer. Black and brown communities are at a higher risk of infant mortality, heart disease, and cancer because of what? The socioeconomic factors that are influencing our health, the food, the the area, social status, income status, education status. I could continue to go on and on, but we got to move forward. We got to understand that we have to take action on our own. We have to be the ones that want to be healthy. Because as I'm sitting here explaining all this to you, this is stuff that is well known to professionals, quote unquote. This is well known to the government. This is well known to the community. So at what point do you separate from that and say, you know what? I'm going to take this into my own hands. Black Americans have the highest mortality rate to cardiovascular disease and stroke with a 30% higher mortality of cardiovascular than their non-Hispanic white counterparts and a 45% higher stroke than um, stroke mortality than their um, non-Hispanic white counterparts. And you may ask, why is this? Well, first things first, let's think about our diets. We're, we're not taught that 
you know, no veggies and no fruits on the plate are going to actually cause us to diminish our immune system, the vitality of our cells. Because listen, when I grew up, I didn't eat no vegetables. My mom made corn. Corn's not a vegetable. So this is something that I didn't start doing up until I was about 24, 25. So my diet was complete trash in high school. All the fried food, the fast food, the empty calories practically. And then we get ourselves just a sidestep. And then we get ourselves into a negative thought process about carbohydrates and how they make us fat when that's not true. It's really a lot of unlearning and relearning to do it your way. Now, as I mentioned last week, you don't have to listen to me. I'm not here to force my opinions on you. I'm not here to get you to live the way I live. I really just want you to be able to advocate for yourself in a way that you think your doctor is supposed to. Because at the end of the day, you see yourself, you live with yourself day in and day out, all day long. It's just you. How can someone that sees you once every couple of weeks or every couple of months or even once a year if, if you're someone like myself, how can someone that sees you once a year tell you what is best for you? It doesn't even logically make sense, but that's just the air sign in me. Now, going back to what I had said about black Americans and the mortality rate, having the highest of cardiovascular disease, as I mentioned, heart disease still is the number one leading killer amongst both men and women in America. That's the, again, the fried foods, alcohol intake, stress levels, tobacco, all of that is contributing to cardiovascular disease, which is why physical activity is important, which is why it's important to manage our stress, to eat better. Now, I have a lot of conversation with many, many people, and it's interesting to me that everyone is so, not everyone, excuse me, a lot of people are inclined to listen to what you know, the doctor says, or listen to what the insurance company says, or even hell, listen to what the CDC says, right? But little did, does a lot of people know that the mother of modern medicine is an African-American woman. And her name was Henrietta, Henrietta Lacks, excuse me. So a lot of people don't know this, especially a lot of African-Americans are unaware of this. But what happened to her, she went to visit the doctor at John Hopkins Hospital in 1951. 31 years old. Well, 30 maybe at the time. Um, But I believe she passed away at 31. However, she went to visit the doctors at John Hopkins Hospital as they were one of the few hospitals treating blacks. And she had some pains in her ovaries or excuse me she had a knot and when they did research and they were doing tests they diagnosed her with cervical cancer but they also at the same time took samples of her cells biopsies now when they took the samples they took both the cancerous tissue 
and healthy tissue and sent it off to be researched. And what they found was that this woman's cells continued to reproduce more and more cells. And this was the first ever case of an immortal cell line. So now what did they do? They continued to use her cells for testing. There's a lot of things her cells are used for. They've even, I actually just read something about um, how they even were trying to get the pattern for the COVID vaccine from her cells. So now this is someone who was unaware of the magic that her cells were creating. Someone whose family was unaware for damn near two decades, almost, maybe, about. So you had biotech companies making <laughs> whew, making money off of this woman. And her family grew up poor. So the next time you think to yourself that your health is best in someone else's hands... It's not. It's important to understand why it's uh, the beneficial, uh, why it's beneficial to be your own healthcare advocate. Because as I, as I said, you are with yourself every day. You have intuitive inquisitions to yourself. You know if something isn't right because you live with you. So please, 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 please. Look into Miss Henrietta, Henrietta Lacks. Look into the story. There's actually a book that a reporter wrote and got the family to be involved in. It's called The Immortal Life of Henrietta Lacks. I advise you to learn your history and to learn true history. Because as amazing as the medical advancements have been because of her cells, it also would have been nice for her family to be a part in the beginning because as I read, they work with scientists now to preserve her legacy. So in the beginning, though, it would have been nice. But that's not the only thing that Miss Lax has contributed to the nation. One of the biggest things was the lack of consent. The lack of information. So this woman's whole genome type her her entire medical chart was practically put out there in the world without not one consent but yet we talk about HIPAA so this is why it's important to understand that health inequities and health disparities have always 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 been embedded in the system of America especially in the healthcare system of America now I truly, truly, truly hope that you continue to spin the block with me as we go from hood health to good health. Because to be honest, I got like a couple more U.S. system topics and then I can't wait to switch gears when we're really going to get down into levels of stress and what that does to us. In the healing of the emotional body, the mental body, the spiritual body, and in the heart and brain coherence, word to Dr. Dispenza. So we're going to get there. And again, I thank you for supporting and really taking the time so that you 
can become your own healthcare advocate. Peace, blessings, and opportunities, y'all.